0: In this week's episode, there's a break from the recent influx of westerns and vampires with some excellent indie books taking place all over the historical timeline. Oh, and a new horror book all about puppies! It's all happening now on Cover B. Hey everybody, welcome back to Cover
1: B. Welcome back everyone, hope everyone's having a good week and an enjoyable weekend. Hope the weather is better for people what i don't i haven't been keeping up i don't know if the weather's kind of stabilized in the world the
0: weather has become more normal we being in a little isolated warm southern bubble Mm. we don't experience weather this thing with which you speak of but the rest of the world and all of my co-workers who live in the tundra the the northern tundra (laughs) Have live all above frozen. that
1: Mason Dixon line. They're all
0: cold <laughs> and, and snowy and yeah, miserable. I hope if
1: anybody out there was dealing with weather woes or, God forbid, dealing with the, the horrible stuff that's going on in Texas, I hope everybody's safe and warm and happy and healthy. Uh, and we've got some comics for you. Yes, we do. Uh, starting up, uh, this one's from Scout Comics. It's called By the Horns. Uh, it is is a really interesting i liked it i liked it i th- i thought um there were there were some things that some story elements that i could nitpick that kind of bothered me on like a very superficial level uh, but all in all i really dug this the the premise follows a uh monster hunter or some sort of beastly magic creature hunter in a world that is somewhere between like futuristic stuff and technology um and then just like medieval stuff like towns and castles and sorcerers and magic and all that stuff it actually feels there's a video game uh dauntless that feels very much like the same aesthetic um you know people have like technological implants and guns and stuff and like hovercraft but they still live in like wooden shacks and and have castles and stuff. And there's lots of magic. A um, lot of world building in this one. The art is really, really good. It's bright and uh, appealing. Um, like I said, there's just some like, like I, I wasn't a fan of the main character's whole motivation being like, I lost the man I love. Whatever. That's just me nitpicking. But um, it was cool. And basically this monster hunter is on a path of revenge against the most horrid of all mythical creatures to ever walk the earth, the Unicorn.
0: I got, okay. I have to, (laughs) I have an opinion and it irked me the whole time I read it. I thought the world building was cool. I liked the art. I thought it was really neat. My only issue is that I kind of feel like said monster hunter wasn't hunting monsters who were hunting other people she wasn't like rolling into villages and protecting villages against savage monsters she's going to monsters where they live in their own ecosystem and slaughtering them yes she's she's kind of a genocidal maniac
1: yeah she's kind of an a-hole and it's, it's true
0: it's not okay like it's not i'm okay with monster hunters if you're like Protecting your village, or you're like taking care of your kind, or like you run from ta- you're the Red Sonya type where you go where you're needed and then yeah, like, you fight oh, the a, bad guys. A as dragon they moved
1: into town and right. is causing like, havoc. Yeah.
0: Exactly, I'm cool with that type of monster hunter because that means the monster is not abide like obliging the unspoken rules of territory maintenance. But when you go into somebody else's home and start wrecking their day, that's uncool. It's like I have a rule. If a spider comes into my home, you're gonna get savaged because you came into my place of living. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But I don't go to the woods and stomp on all the spiders because that's their home and that's rude. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Respect each other's sanctum sanctorums. Okay. Plus, that's
1: like a one way ticket to being like an early kill in a spider based horror movie, right? Yeah. That you doesn't know? help. You'd be I be like, I'm let's follow this weird, random, unnamed blue haired chick as she rolls out into the woods and just starts baseball batting spiders and then like big giant spider monster comes out and eats you and you're like an unnamed credit it's true i
0: am i am the drew barrymore of the scream environment at that (laughs) point like you don't want to be that guy but that's all i'm saying is that she just and they even say like you're taking on monsters that aren't anything like the unicorns. And I'm like, no, you're just kind of being an ass.
1: I think the fascinating part of this book is that the opening narration is actually told through the lens of a unicorn. We're opened with a splash page of this unicorn narrating how it always thought it would die in a field like this. And it's laying there bloodied and dead while she stands over it. Uh, at no point does the unicorn say, hey, this woman killed me or what the nature of its death was. So I think what we're looking forward to in this book is a very intricate story about vengeance and the perils of vengeance. And because as far as we've seen from the unicorns, which we only see brief snippets, snippets, snippets of them <laughs> in this book, uh, is that they're fairly nice. They seem kind of cool. They don't, we don't wear. We don't know the nature of her husband boyfriend partner. friend partner whatever the relationship there was uh the nature of him being slaughtered by a unicorn uh but they seem nice they seem pretty chill
0: right now she's the villain in my book
1: yeah yeah and i mean that's a good revenge tale does not paint the the one out for vengeance in a in a good light you know what i mean it's true and I mean you can see this whole book this whole first issue is basically about the the you know toxicity that her her quest for vengeance has put into her life and how she's breaking down relationships that she has and nobody trusts her and stuff like Think that.
0: Think of it as Last of Us 2 but enjoyable. Oof. Savage. Man. I'm coming in hot. I <laughs> poor, have no shame. Poor
1: Poor Last of Us 2 finally Thought it dropped off the radar.
0: Not in my book. No,
1: a T never forgets. Anyway. This one's cool. I really like it. It's got a cool aesthetic to it. Uh nice fantasy story that, you know, kind of has a little bit of a you know I don't want to say a neo Western vibe to it, because that's, you know, not all revenge stories are neo westerns, but there's tones of it there, you know. Yeah, so, totally. If it's-
0: this next book. I am so unbelievably excited about. <laughs> oh, this book's so charming. I love so, it so much. This book is called Stray Dogs Number One. Here's the thing about this book: it's perfect. Um, it talks <laughs> it it takes place focused around a very small, pretty little pupper. A papillon
1: and kind of looks like a papillon. is,
0: yeah. yeah, definitely. And she finds herself in a new home surrounded by lots of other dogs who had previously been strays okay? But there's a twist, and I won't reveal it. But here's what makes this book so amazing. First of all, the art is straight out of an early 1990s Disney movie. Like, exactly. Like, spot freaking on, okay? So, without ever having to say anything, or do anything, really, the minute you see this art, you already accept everything for what it is. Like, it's- it's so cool to me how as someone who grew up with that type of like art and the Disney movies and all of that stuff that the minute I'm presented with like one page of 2d animation-esque like Disney vibe I know exactly what I'm looking at I know exactly what the type of scenario is I know how much to suspend my disbelief I know kind of what I'm coming into like instantly it's it's so easy to set a scene and set a mood with this art style that it was just like done in it i'm here i know exactly what's going on cool what's cool is that the themes are appearing to be a little bit more grown up than a disney movie which is awesome because it almost feels like they were like hey millennials are you having a hard time right now yeah is the world difficult (laughs) do you are you sick of adulting here's a book that's a little more grown up, but it'll speak to your inner child. And (laughs) I really love that because damn, if we don't need that right
1: now. This book is absolutely charming. It's like, uh, I don't know. It's like, what's a good thriller, thriller movie? Uh, It's like, I Know What You Did Last Summer meets a Don Bluth movie. It's like- (laughs) It's like a long came a spider directed by Pixar. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's it, yeah, it's just got that like it's super Disney and it's not like it's it doesn't, you know, when T says like you open this up and it feels like a 90s Disney Disney movie. It's not that the person tried to emulate the art style. No. It's that they got it. Yeah. They, they nailed it. It's it feels there. 100%. yeah, hundred percent. It feels like I like the dark sequel to Roger or to Rover Dangerfield. You know what I mean? Like it, it feels like a dark spin-off from uh, All Dogs Go to Heaven. One hundred percent. Oliver and Company or anything like that. You know, like it's a cool cool book and i like the
0: naughty side of aristocats the thing i like yeah is
1: (laughs) the whole premise is that we're going to be telling this horror or this thriller they call it a horror i think in the solicitation but it's not really much of a horror it's more of a thriller kind of book yeah there might be horror elements that come in later um if it's horror or anything it's going to be like slasher style horror which is why i picked i know what you did last summer anyway um but it's more of a thriller than anything but whenever like from time to time, artists will come in and they'll say, or writers, I guess, but artists, everyone's an artist, why not, uh, will come in and say, like, whether they're making a movie or a show or a comic book or a book, I want to tell this genre of story from the perspective of this odd sort of person to experience it. Yeah. But what they don't do, too often what doesn't happen is that they don't shape the experience of the story to meet the experience of that person or that thing. It's basically just like, Hey, what if robots had a Western? And then it's just like robot Western. Yeah. With no like real, like how would this actually affect a robot You know what I mean? Like no, like kind of cerebral thought of how a robot would approach these things different. Right. It's just like, what if a robot was a cowboy? Yeehaw, haw be boop. Um, this one being like, Hey, we're going to put this thriller in you know, through the lens of dogs. Yeah. Actually goes in and says, okay, what sort of things about dogs would shape the scope of this thriller? And I don't want to give it away because it's kind of a big point, but they take a look at like what makes dogs dogs. And they pretty much mention it right up front. So it's pretty easy. And then it kind of like ekes in all the way up to like a big kind of like teaser at the end or kind of cliffhanger at the end. Um, but what about dogs would make this thriller a different experience yeah. than if it were happening to a human? You know what I mean? Like, they need to figure out who the bad guy is. We've seen that happen with humans plenty of times. How would it be different if it was in the scope of dogs? Exactly. And they, they, yeah, they do an amazing job of, like, actually making this a unique story because of the characters that it's happening to. Oh,
0: yeah. You know? Completely. It's, it's incredibly good. The art is... Excellent. The storytelling and the pacing is really, really solid. I'm already fully immersed in the characters and I love them and I want to take all of them up with home and keep them forever and measure sort of safe. And yeah, it's really good. Go get this book. Don't even question it. Just go get it. Just yeah. do it. Just do
1: it. Uh next up is Marvel Voices Legacy number one. I honestly don't have too much complex to say about this. It's a collection of Short stories. Um, It's celebrating Black History Month. So it's a collection of short stories done by black creators to celebrate black heroes or heroes of non-white backgrounds. Um, And it does an incredible job. And the reason I don't have anything complex to say about it is because they're short stories mainly, but also just it's really good. All the Marvel's Voices things have been been incredible. If a Marvel Voices ever hits the shelf, you should pick it up. What I love about these kind of things is that I feel like whenever they do, whenever Marvel or DC do these kinds of, I don't see it as much in the DC, like short story things. Like they'll do like DC cybernetic summer or whatever stupid crap. And it's always just like (laughs) more often than not, those are just like kind of quick generic superhero stories. I've never really been a fan of those. Yeah. They did it with the like. Uh, they did like a Wonder Woman hundredth spectacular or whatever. And the Batman various like milestone issues also kind of felt more like what I'm going to talk about with the Marvel's things, but whenever Marvel does these sort of like one book, bunch of short stories, it's going to be like two, three pages per story. Different characters are going to be focused on different creators are going to come in. Here you go. Uh, What I love about it is that it, it, all the stories just hit directly at, like, what makes superheroes so good. Yeah. You know, it's... They're always about the hope that superheroes bring and the connection with the community that superheroes bring and, you know, why we look to superheroes as readers as these, like, points of inspiration and why people attach to them, why the fans love them so much. And it's always just about superheroes doing really cool, friendly, kind of lower-to-the-ground things than their normal, like, look, I'm fighting the god of the symbiotes. Isn't that amazing? It's like, hey, look, I'm giving this dude money because his daughter died in an encounter I was involved in, you know?
0: It's really cool because, like, this book in particular, I feel like almost all of the individual stories kind of... Do Like you said, they ground the characters and they kind of present them in a very, like, these are just people too. Like, they might be powerful. They might have, you know, offer hope to the masses. But part of the reason why they can do that is because they still have to take care of themselves. They still have to reach out to friends and take care of their family. And, you Mm -hmm. know, it, it shows them in a very humanized way. Um, like there's a story in there that's about Riri Williams, Shuri and Miss Marvel hanging out and having a girl's night because sometimes you just need to unwind and decompress and self-care. And like, it's cool because all of the stories kind of tie back to that humanization of these characters and showing that like, you know, they're people too and they're not. And it's cool in this aspect as well, because you know, a lot of these characters, unfortunately, because of the time that some of them were made, were made in very one-dimensional ways. And mm-hmm. they they were almost, to some degree, like some of them could have been stereotypes because of the time that they were created. And this was really cool because it helps to just, like, smooth and, and create that additional dimension of, like, these are characters with lives and families and, you know, real experiences in the human condition. And yeah. it's... I, I love it. It was a yeah. really cool way to present.
1: All a good of these example characters. of that is, and I'll I'll spoil one story, but there's multiple stories. Good example of what you're talking about is Blade. Blade has had a long journey to try to be a more complex character. Yes, he doesn't get used a lot in the comics. Like he, he does admittedly not. does, not he's often on teams. He hasn't had his own solo book in a long time. Yeah, it's been a hot minute. And for the most part, modern writers just, you know, put him in as the cold unafraid of anything sometimes one-linered it's like, very wesley snipes i was he's gonna say wesley they snipes see him as Wesley days. Snipes, <laughs> and he's had a long road coming from like his onset in the 70s where he was like jive talking cool black vampire killer you know yeah. and that was what they put him in as they were like this is a cool character look at how cool he is you know and we can appeal to a bigger audience with this but ultimately like he needs to grow. You know what I mean? Like to be less of a problematic kind of like, you know, shaft esque character, he needs to grow and they don't do a lot with him, but there's a story in here where he saves a couple of kids from vampires in a bodega. And, you know, it gets to the point that you're expecting where it's like blade jumps in and is like, whatever vampires, I don't care about these kids. And he's like about to bail. And one of the kids is like, Oh, so he's just going to bounce. And then he turns around and he's like, all right, lesson one, let's teach you how to hold a stake." you know? And it's like simple things like that. Give that character now some depth. Anyone who's read that will know that he might seem like cold, calculated, I'm just out to kill vampires, don't talk to me kind of guy. But there's a sweet spot there, you know? I think if I had to pick a favorite story in this one, the backup story featuring Storm was probably my favorite. I've always loved Storm. And I love stories that really like talk about Storm's heart And her connection with death and her connection with rage and how she's had to like work with that. Um, And it's just it's a powerful story. The backup story is very powerful. And I guess it's a it's a part of this anthology, but it's also a series of uh, stories that Marvel's going to do in collaboration with Def Jam, which is cool. cool. Um, But yeah, I think that one probably my favorite out of the book. But if a Marvel voices ever hits the shelf, you should pick it up. There have been three now, and they're all incredible. So there's been this one, Legacy. There's been Indigenous Voices, which was great. And there was the original Marvel Voices, which was great. You should pick them up. They're all good. Uh, Don't let them slip by because they're really good reads. And like I said, they just have so much of that superhero heart that just reminds you of, like, why we give a crap about these characters. You know?
0: Agreed. Alright, next up is a title called Nuclear Family Number One. One thing that I want to point out about this week that I thought was really cool is that I kept expecting when I'd open a book it to be one of the same, like, three tropes that has been permeating through comics recently, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but, like, we've had a lot of, like, Mad maxi westerns, and we've had a lot of vampires, and, like, we've had a lot of, like very standard modern supernatural happen lately i'm Mm -hmm. like that's fine i like all of those genres but like every time i open a book now i'm like all right which ones are gonna be (laughs) and this week was very different we had so many different like periods and time pieces and Mm -hmm. like story concepts, and I just wanted to give a shout-out to the writers of this week's comics for breaking the mold and going outside of the comfort zone of the immediate economic standard of comics. High fives all around, (laughs) yeah. Anyway, Nuclear Family takes place in 1957, and it follows a used car salesman, formerly a soldier. He fought in Korea, um, and he, you know, living that standard nuclear family life, and suddenly the bombings happen. Yeah. He's in Milwaukee, and everybody's like, oh, Milwaukee's safe. Who's going to bomb Milwaukee? And then Milwaukee gets bombed. And then there's a twist. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: What I really, really liked about this book is that it's so on the nose of our current environment. There's a yeah. cool thing in the back where they do basically like faux communist propaganda and as you're reading it i'm gonna tell you this it hits different (laughs) (laughs) you're like hey wait (laughs) hold up (laughs) yeah yeah it's really cool it's awesome this book is another stephanie phillips book so it's it's really well written it's very like thoughtful and particular and very perceptive and it it's good at pulling in themes that are relevant to now even if they don't make sense in the time period of when it's written but like it does work and it does make sense and it speaks to now and it's just a really cool book I liked the art I liked I thought that it really matched the tone and, yeah. the, and the era that the book is supposed to take place in Um, I already care about the characters like I don't know it almost felt like I was watching like reading a time like a twilight zone episode. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? And I, I love that. I love it. It does me some have a twilight, twilight
1: zone vibe. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I kept waiting for homeboy to pop out and be like, this is the twilight zone. And I'm like, yeah. yeah, let's do it. But, uh, it's really good. I really, really liked this book.
1: Yeah. I, um, I've been having kind of a problem with aftershock books lately. I love aftershock and I've been reading a lot of their stuff, but when it comes to me suggesting first issues, like new issues to people, and we've mentioned it a few times on here when we've talked about Aftershock stuff. Too often, I feel like the first issue just isn't enough to get people hooked. Yeah. And they always have this blurb in the back that is kind of like a setup for the next issue. And there's too many of these that I've read where the first issue was very basic. and does talk about anything. <laughs> and then I'll see this little blurb and it's like, wow, that sounds really interesting, but they don't show any of that in the first issue. Yeah. It's like a really bad first impression. Yeah, you know what I mean? Absolutely. And it's, it's you know, it's tough because I don't feel like they're leading me into that that next issue enough with just what happens in the first issue. Right. There's been a few that I've gone on to pick up because of what I read about in the thing. Like Red Atlantis was one where it was like a little bit crazy and chaotic, but kind of just your standard kind of action movie. Yeah. And then the blurb was like, oh yeah, there's like mind control and sleeper agents <laughs> and continue on this journey down this sci-fi epic. And you and I were like, what?
0: What are you talking sci-fi?
1: about? Sci-fi? And sure enough. And it, um, yeah, I, I just like, I feel like a lot of Aftershock comics have been just very like low key.
0: They don't pace well.
1: Yeah, it's like, it's like going to a concert for your, like, favorite band, and they play, like, I guess not favorite band, but, like, a band you dig. Like, someone's, like, come on, come to this concert, you know, it's free. Yeah. And you go to this concert, and the first three songs they play are, like, slow. They're fine, but they're just, like, slow, like,
0: b-sides that you don't particularly care about yeah
1: it's nothing that's really got a good hook or like good lyrics that you like can follow along with it's just your slow sort of like mellow songs it's
0: not your radio hits
1: and you know they have potential to play some like badass music but you'd be tempted to leave you're not really going to be tempted to stay you know when they get through three slow songs and they go okay this fourth one uh next one that we're going to play for you is huge at middle school dances and then like slow synth starts up, and you're like, okay, well, I'm out, you
0: know. Perfect example of this. I'm not gonna name names, but I recently tried to watch a movie that has a one sir actor in it. His name his name rhymes with Nicholas Mage, and <laughs> yeah, I was really excited about this movie, but like an hour and a half into the movie, nothing has happened yet, and I'm bored. Yeah. And- like i keep seeing previews of this movie being like crazy and all this stuff happening and it's wild and it's insane and nothing's happened and i'm bored and i turned it off because honestly i was more mad because i was anticipating something and i got nothing in the beginning and i think that's what aftershock keeps doing and here's the thing aftershock unlike chris most of us don't read the previews of the next issue yeah
1: And that's that's the problem is I am wary to suggest these to people like I always put like an asterisk on it of like, I think it's going to be a good series. Yeah, because it's just not a very strong first issue. Their issue first issues have not come off very strong. Right. Wrapping it all back. That is not the case with this one. Yeah, no, this is great. Um, <laughs> you know, it's pretty straightforward in the beginning. It's the whole family structure and stuff, but it does a good enough job in the last few pages leaving out enough nuggets of curiosity that I want to know what's going on, you know? And the blurb definitely does, like the little preview of the second issue definitely does suggest more things than what was shown. But the little nuggets that it gave me, the little, like, tastes that it gave me in the lead-up and the questions I have, in my opinion, were enough that I'm interested. I'm I'm totally engaged in this book now. So I, you know, I'm happy that they had one where I don't have to be like...
0: Asterisk.
1: Just... (laughs) Just trust me, guys. This is going to be a cool series.
0: It's it's fun because Chris will try to be like, T, it's going to get better. And I'm like, except I have no patience. Yeah, it's true. It's
1: true. She's like a doctor who works out of her van. She's got no patience. Patients. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Apologies to all of our van doctor listeners. I'm sorry. <laughs> Didn't mean to insult you. <laughs> um, finally, two moons out of Image uh is an interesting book it's 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 got me hooked i'm re- I'm really enjoying this one it's so the premise of this one is that it follows a union soldier during civil war uh who has a indigenous background uh and is possibly related to some sort of shaman or shamanistic type stuff Had to plug the computer in. Sorry. (laughs) Um, And in the midst of everything, in the midst of the bloody war and random ambushes from rebel soldiers and all this stuff. Something's triggering all his like ability to see the world for the way it is and all these supernatural things and hear ghosts and hear voices from beyond and see people as wild beasts and it's crazy.
0: It's bizarre. I opened this book and from the very first page because of the way that the the font was written and kind of how things were I was like, "Okay, here we go. Here's another western." And then it's not. It was very civil war and I was like, "Oh. Look at all these different time periods going on in books right now." <laughs> I was so impressed. I was like, "I this is a, there's something new. <laughs> yeah. I've
1: never been personally that big into war books. I just haven't. I, like, too often they're just like, you know, war's bad. And it's like, really, dingus? <laughs> um, super. I had no idea. And I do, definitely there is that tone here. And I know that's a very cynical tone for me, but, like, come on. If you don't think war is bad, then keep voting red. Um, <laughs> Power to you. Uh, anyway, talk to a soldier maybe once. Um, <laughs> anywho. Uh, <laughs> so I, I, didn't, I didn't know how to feel about this book. And then when I was picking it up, I just opened it to a random page and was met with a man who looks somewhere between werewolf and a critter from the 1986 movie Critters. Um, yeah. And I was sold. I'm like, "Whoa, that's cool." Uh, he and looks st-
0: like a Jim Henson villain.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and the story was great. It had a nice twist at the end. Uh, I like the character. I like they don't do a, like spend a lot of time giving you his like inner monologue and giving you his feeling like he doesn't spend a lot of pages like Waxing philosophical about What's war happening, to me? but just in his interactions with the people around him, you kind of get a vibe of what his emotions are during this tumultuous time, yeah, um, and how he feels about the whole thing uh and it's it's cool. it's a cool book this is I think this is gonna be a really fun, kind of fantastic horror book set in an interesting time where we don't see a lot of horror, you don't see a lot of civil war no horror books yeah, so you or any yeah. or civil war horror anything yeah but it's, it's a horrific time where a bunch of people were stuck out in the wilderness diseased and sick and
0: shooting at their brothers
1: yeah waiting just patiently for someone to pop out of the bushes and start shooting at them you know it's messed up and the american countryside is a wild and crazy place when it wants to be it's true and so like blasting all of that with like you know indigenous mythology and shamanistic magics and stuff like that like that's cool
0: it was really I'm gonna neat. make
1: for a dark country you know
0: it was it was creepy it was weird it's like it's all over the place yeah. you don't know what's happening on the next page and <clears throat> you care about the main character already a little bit like yeah. you really you're like Ugh, come on bud <laughs> he's <laughs> a <together>. bit <laughs> like
1: admittedly the main i i want to learn more about him he's a bit dry like he's a bit they haven't developed him a lot. That's true. I do think, like I said, they did a good job kind of subtly giving the audience an idea of how he feels about war. You know what I yeah. mean? Without him out and out being like, war is hell.
0: <laughs> War's
1: bad. I've thing. seen things that you never believe. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um But yeah, I, I do think they need to develop him give him a, a bit, bit more of a personality yeah. he doesn't really have a whole lot going on in this first issue but it's a very action packed first issue so they just didn't have a lot of time
0: well and it does help by making him a little bit really kind of generic if you say mm-hmm. Um. It, it does help put allow you to kind of like superimpose yourself into his position and it and it helps with that relatability factor a little bit because yeah. it's kind of a it, there's a lot going on and you need to be able to relate to it if you're going to be able to follow everything
1: <laughs> yeah Yeah, true.
0: Anyway, that's going to do it for us today. That
1: is a wrap, yes.
0: If you want more Cover B, you can find us on our website, coverbepodcast.com. And if you want to follow us on social media, we are on Facebook and Twitter, at Cover B Podcast. And fun fact, we just recently launched new merchandise. New merch. There are hoodies that are awesome, and t-shirts, and socks, and masks for going out in public safely. And it's awesome. Go get you some. Go do it, go do it, go do it, go, do it. go do it. Are you looking to protect
1: it. yourself from the Patricia? Let us do it for you. Buy a Cover B mask.
0: Do it in style.
1: In style.
0: But yeah, so go check that out. You can find that on our website. Um, and it's going to be awesome. Yeah. So anyway, we will see you on the next episode
1: of I'll Cover, Cover B. B. Bye, everybody. Bye, peoples.